where I'm heartened is that humans bring a heck of a lot of bias to the table too. Uh, and I think with appropriate study and deliberate design, we can correct those biases in our algorithms and in our model design much more quickly than we can retrain our human minds. Welcome to Unlocking Big Data, a series about getting trusted data to healthcare decision makers, sponsored by Arcadia and presented by HIMSS. HIMSS Market Insights conducted research on data analytics platforms in December 2022 to January 2023. 55 executives, IT, technology, and clinician leaders who have a role in decision-making or influence regarding the use and innovation of data analytics platforms at their organization participated in the research. Nearly 40% work in multi-hospital systems, with nearly a quarter each working for IDNs or standalone hospitals and specialty hospitals. Throughout the series, we'll present key data points from the research, but focus on why these data points are important and how you can leverage these findings to support your healthcare organization's data initiatives. In our second episode, we'll look at overcoming analytics platform investment challenges. I'm joined by Tina Esposito, System Vice President and Chief Health Information Officer at Advocate Health, and Nick Steepro, Chief Product and Technology Officer at Arcadia, who will help us unpack key takeaways from the research. Welcome, Tina and Nick. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. So according to HIMSS Market Insights Research, challenges are seen with investing in analytics platforms, in particular, competing with other strategic priorities at 71% and Staff resources to implement and train for new technologies at 58% were cited as the biggest barriers with investments in or upgrades to current analytics platforms. Organizations with less than 1,000 hospital beds, or 55% of respondents, were more likely to report having clinician and analyst resistance than adopting new solutions to existing workflows, while decision makers, 36% of respondents, were more likely to report inaccuracy of data. Organizations with less than $1.1 billion in revenue, 35% of respondents, are more likely to state challenges with executive leadership resistance in adopting new solutions to existing workflows. And yes, that is a mouthful. <laughs> you did great. <clears throat> so I just want to remind everyone also that this podcast is a continuation of this topic from a HIMSS TV episode that we recently re recorded. And now let's get into our discussion. So how do you win over the decision makers who are more likely to report data inaccuracy? In particular, how do you convince them of the need for an analytics platform? I think you have to start by quantifying the cost of inaccuracy, right? I think um, in, this, in this industry, we talk about data, data issues and data accuracy problems, and it, we create these very nebulous problem statements without digging into what that actually means from a practical standpoint. Data is always a sampling and an approximation of the experienced world right? Um, it's, it's a digital sampling of what actually happens in, 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 in real life. And we need to accept that, um, that it's not always going to be perfect. I think um, when I was coming over here, we were having some weather in New York. So uh, uh, I pulled up my weather app, right? And it says it's going to rain or it's going to snow. And I was trying to think of what, what the cost of inaccuracy could be in that application. So on the one side, it could tell me it's going to rain and I go outside and it doesn't rain. It's an inaccurate pr pr predictor based on, based on data. The cost of that is relatively low. I lug a uh, umbrella around, not particularly fatal. If on the other hand, it says that uh, it's going to be a sunny day and I step outside into a category five hurricane, this can be more problematic, right? 
and I think we, we need to apply, um, as silly as it sounds, that kind of thinking to data and accuracies in healthcare and understand where perfection is required versus where um, uh, directional is good enough and, and understand that the quality of our data is always going to be asymptotic against the accuracy of the experience. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that uh, direction and directional is exactly where executives usually think and talk. Um, typically, they are less resistant that there's an issue. It's typically those that are much closer to the problem itself um, that it's been in, actually in my experience. So I think conversation around what's good enough uh, data is not the be-all, end-all, and without uh, significant clinical, operational, business, administrative relationships, we can't really better define that problem either. So I would say that there's a quantitative component, there's a qualitative component, uh, and understanding how much data is necessary to actually make an improvement is probably a good starting point. I love that. I'm going to extend my bad metaphor to, to cherry pick on that. You can still look out the window and see that it's a hurricane, right? right? That's right. And I think right. there there has to be room for um, right. for for human interpretation of this. So let's take this perspective from some other stakeholders. How do you win over the executive leaders of smaller organizations that they need to adopt new solutions to existing workflows? Well, I would say if you want to achieve your strategies, um, then let's kind of think about what needs to change. So if if we want to be big and bold, uh, and ensure that we are delivering on what we as an organization exist to do. Uh, I don't know how you do that without that. So I think um, the data can be used for compelling and sort of persuasion to say we have a problem, let's get behind it. Um, but also it takes that leadership and that that sort of you know skill to say, all right, let's roll up our sleeves and, and make it happen. Yeah, I think I think in some way the smaller organizations both have a, um, a greater imperative, um, uh, but also a greater opportunity. Right, the whole point of this. Um, technology investment is to bring scale um, and create multipliers for the staff that you have on hand. Um, I work with a bunch of organizations, use information safer, care management, right? You're a small organization, you can't hire an army of care managers to touch every patient. And so deploying data to identify those individuals that a, 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 a touch point will have the highest impact is critical. And if you do that, then you can operate at a greater scale, the scale of a midsize or a large organization, despite having a relatively smaller staff. We used to say that that's a good resource allocation, right? So uh, in this, I don't care what size company you are, resources are definitely precious and there's not enough. Um, and so I think ensuring that you're being smart on where you're employing, deploying, if you will, your, your resources is always good business, large or small of, of an organization. So how can a data analytics platform support an advanced health equity? And how important is this capability in terms of a benefit to hospitals and health systems in such an investment? We've used it extensively. Uh, and I would say we had a little bit of a framework with using data. One, uh, which is a little bit different for health systems, is defining your population, not so much as the patients you're taking care of, but rather the communities you're serving. And so we're talking about lots and lots of patients, obviously, depending how, how large your health system is. Uh, for us, when we looked to understand what our population that we were trying to understand and impact was, it's about 2.4 million in the Chicago metro and the Wisconsin markets together. Um, so that's first. Who, who, who is my population that I'm trying to move health equity with? Um, second, identifying where your disparities might exist. So systematically looking at measurements and understanding, is there a difference between my African-American population, my Hispanic population? What's the gap that might exist? Um, and so understanding that, again, a lot of da data wrangling to support that. And then third, really trying to move the needle. 
So we see a gap. How is it we're going to close that gap? And we're going to use data to support that, not only to, to sort of show the outcomes, better outcomes, let's say, for each population, but also understanding if our interventions are actually working. So using that data is just key for us uh, in supporting those, that, that mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to your to your to your second point, measuring it is sort of step one, right? And so you can't do that unless you are leveraging a data asset and analytics on top to understand which subsets of your population you're letting down with um, a r- relatively inadequate care. Um, and, and the other angle on this, uh, which which we think about a lot, is the um, implication of bias in technology and data that's deployed at an enterprise level. So we're all designing all of these really fancy algorithms using machine learning uh, and there's sort of a there's a perception that because it's an algorithm it's somehow scientific and and these are always embedded with the biases of the people that are creating them and so there's this like really really important work and a movement to evaluate the analytics that we're deploying on top of these data sets to ensure that they are driving health equity and they're not perpetuating disparities that 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 had already existed and it's it's a big topic and it's a really important topic where I'm heartened is that humans bring a heck of a lot of bias to the table too. Uh, and I think with appropriate study and deliberate design, we can correct those biases in our algorithms and in our model design much more quickly than we can retrain our human minds, um, you know, away from the decades of experience that lead to the biases that that cause some of these disparities. I agree. I think simply asking the question shows you that there's a focus and, and hopefully an ability, if you will, to get past that. So I think that's that's absolutely right on. Spot on. And that's all we have time for today. I'd like to thank our guests, Tina Esposito and Nick Stepro, for their perspectives. And be sure to check out the other episodes of this podcast series as well. For Hims, this is Michael Krieger. <laughs>